So during Lent here at M&M's, you're looking at sacraments. Uh, and I think Ilsa kicked off last week looking at confession. Now, a confession for me is as a, that there are different opinions of how many sacraments there are. Uh, I'm in the camp of two, but I'm, I'm happy for there to be five, and I can go with seven. Um, <laughs> but so, so tonight I, I've been given the topic of marriage. And depending on your, your church background, your theology, depends on whether you see that as a, a sacrament or not. But if a sacrament is a sign of God's grace, then actually what I'm going to share this evening will kind of argue against my own point of view. <laughs> because actually maybe wedding could be, marriage could be seen as a sacrament. On the 18th of May 2018, just a couple of years ago, it's estimated that nearly 2 billion people around the world, that's almost a quarter of the population, watched uh, the royal wedding between Prince Harry and Meghan Merkel. It's a huge number, isn't it? Uh, 2 billion people. What is the fascination with weddings and royal weddings? Perhaps because we know it's going to be a grand event and we're, we're eager to see, maybe because we... As, a, as children dreamed of being a prince or a princess, and there's an attachment to that, that story of someone become, marrying a prince and becoming a princess. But actually, I think it's because deep within all of us, whether we realize it or not, there is a longing for a royal wedding, a different royal wedding, not one from a, um, an earthly kingdom, but one which waits us in heaven. Marriage talks about our destiny, a destiny that we can all get excited about, whether tonight you are here and you're married, or whether you are not. I'm hoping this evening we can all get something from what I'm going to share. Because our longing, our destiny, is marriage. But not marriage to one another, but marriage to God. Let me explain. Marriage on earth is given as a foretaste of what heaven will be like, to give us a glimpse of heaven, to help us comprehend something that would in many ways be beyond our comprehension. Throughout the Bible, heaven is described as a wedding or a wedding banquet, or, or heaven is described as a marriage. In that passage from Matthew, there, there's troubling verses in there, but ultimately it's describing heaven and, and those who are invited but refuse, and actually the doors are opened, but heaven is described as a wedding banquet. In the book of Revelation, we read loads of imagery, again, about a wedding banquet that's going to take place in the marriage. This is from Revelation 19. Then I heard the sound like a great multitude, like a roar, rushing water, like a loud peals of thunder, shouting, Alleluia, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. In that passage, they are celebrating the wedding of the Lamb has come. A foretaste of heaven is marriage. Now, as Christians, we sometimes use funny language, celebrating the, the wedding of the Lamb. If you don't know what that means, that's imagery. Jesus is the Lamb. And believers, his church is the bride. We, together, are the bride of Christ. It sounds a bit odd, doesn't it, to say that one day we will be married 
to Jesus, will be married to God. It, and it's bizarre to say that the, the marriage here on earth is a foretaste of heaven. If you are married or you've witnessed marriage and you've seen the difficulties and the challenges, then you're probably thinking, if that's what heaven is like, then no, thank you. I'd rather not. The idea of being married to God is just a bizarre thing to get our head around. But again, it's, it's an image. It's a grace that God has bestowed upon us to help us to understand better something that is hard to comprehend. Marriage is just a glimpse, a little taste of what is awaiting us in heaven. It is our destiny. So as I said tonight, whether you are married or have been married and aren't anymore, whether you aren't married and long to be married, or whether you aren't married and content with that, this evening, more than talking about marriage to one another, I want us to think about our intimacy and our relationship with God. See, it's our destiny that we'll be married to Jesus. On the cross, Jesus is down on one knee saying, will you marry me? Or perhaps you want to think about it another way. On the cross, the ancient wedding tradition of the dowry is paid. Jesus, through the shedding of his blood, gave his life for us so that we may have the honor of being his bride. He paid the price. He paid the dowry. When we respond to him and say yes, then this awesome banquet awaits us. It's our destiny. And the question this evening is, have we accepted? I want to draw out just three things of the imagery of being married to God that can relate to our relationships with God. Firstly, faithfulness. Throughout the Bible, we are reminded that God is faithful. In the psalm reading in the Deuteronomy, we both spoke of God's faithfulness. And it's constant through Scripture. Psalm 36, you love, your love, O Lord, reaches to the heavens, your faithfulness to the skies. Psalm 86, but you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. 1 Corinthians 1, God has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, he is faithful. 2 Timothy 2, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. Hebrews 10, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. 1 John 1, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. I could go on and on and on with passages that remind us again and again of God's faithfulness to us. Right at the heart of marriage is the idea of faithfulness. Promising to be faithful to one another. I'm aware that this evening there may be people who have not experienced faithfulness in marriage, either directly or indirectly. And so when I talk about marriage as a sacrament, as a sign of our relationship with God, that actually often our human relationships fall far short of God who is faithful. If your experience of people around you is not faithfulness in marriage, then we can be reminded and hold on to that God is faithful, eternally faithful. 
The second thing I want to talk about is completeness. Now, when I was preparing this, I was suddenly aware of my age amongst a kind of emotionally student population. And uh, I'm referring to the film Jerry Maguire, which I'm looking around and I don't know whether you were born when it was made. Anyway, um, there's a famous scene in Jerry Maguire, which was recently, about three years ago, rated in the top 30 of the most romantic film moments. And... And to cut a long story short, Jerry has been caught up with his work. His wife has told him some home truths, which uh, he didn't take too well, and he left. And the film involves then, eventually he kind of comes back, and he wants to make up, and there's this conversation going on between him and his wife, and then there's this moment, and this bit you may remember, I've heard in other places, where she goes, you complete me. And apparently that's in the top 30 most romantic moments. This scene portrays Actually, what I think is a misconception of marriage. Often, we have in our marriages a desire to be completed by the other person, to be fulfilled by them, to be fully fulfilled by them, but it's unrealistic. They won't be able to take that pressure. They won't be able to live up to that expectation. That is true if you're married, and it's true if you're hoping to be married, that this person that you've put this pressure on will not complete you. Because our ultimate fulfillment cannot be found in a husband or a wife. Despite what it says in Jeremiah Maguire, they will not complete you. Only God can complete us. Colossians 2.10 says that in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. So as we think about our marriages, and as we think about being married to the Lamb, only in Christ will be ultimately fulfilled. At a, a wedding rehearsal, just before the night before the big day, the bride was nervous about the occasion. She was not worried about getting married, but the process of the ceremony. And so the minister said, it's simple, you don't have to remember much because I'm here to do that. It's, once you've done the first part of the service, you're okay. So just remember, the first thing you need to do is come through the doors and walk down the aisle. And then walk and come and stand before the altar. And then we'll sing a hymn. And after that, you'll just relax and everything will be all right. So just remember, walk down the aisle, come to the altar and sing a hymn. That's all you have to remember. The day came the next morning for the wedding. And she was so nervous, those things were reminding in her head. So as she came down, she was thinking, walk to the aisle, get to the altar, sing a hymn aisle, then get to the altar, him, aisle, altar, him, aisle, altar, him. And as she came down to this marriage, she's saying these words, I'll alter him, I'll alter him, I'll alter him, and I'll change him, I'll alter him. This misconception that actually the other person can bring complete fulfillment is something that actually we need to, to stop, to change this desire to be completed by somebody else. We have this phrase in English, my other half. The idea that I'm not complete without this other half is not true. Only in Christ can we find fulfillment. The third thing, and the final thing I want to draw out. So having looked at faithfulness, completeness, the last one is intimacy. 
We all crave intimacy, from a child snuggling into their parents or a husband, uh, a husband and wife engaging in the most intimate act of sex. We crave intimacy. We enjoy it and long for it. And don't worry, I'm not going to talk about sex because it's awkward, especially when a clergyman stands at the front of people and starts talking about it. But I want to talk about intimacy. We all want intimacy. We long for it and we look for it in so many ways, through friendships, maybe through um, our husband or, or a wife, or, or sexual relationships. But again, just like completeness, only in God will we find ultimate intimacy. It's good news, it's great news that the intimacy we have in marriage or crave for is nothing compared to what awaits us in heaven. In Ephesians chapter 5, uh, it says this, talking about marriage. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. He's saying here that we're talking about marriage and intimacy, but ultimately I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about God and intimacy with God. I'm a big U2 fan, and again, I realize that's kind of the wrong age demographic. <laughs> But indulge me for a moment. Um, you too, they, they have some great songs. And one of the, the most well-known gigs, perhaps, is the, a gig they did at Slane Castle. And in this gig, they sing a song called All I Need Is You. All I need is you. And he, he starts the song, Bono, by dedicating it to his wife. And as they're singing, it's building, and he's, I think his wife's there because he's an island. He's kind of looking off stage towards her. And then as the song goes on, there's a refrain, and it just goes on and on. All I need is you. All I need is you. All I need is you. And there's this moment, if you watch it, and maybe I read too much into it because I'm a big U2 fan, and I know that, that Bono is a follower of Jesus, that he changes from looking off stage to his wife, and all of a sudden he starts looking up. And it's like something just bursts out of his lungs as he's singing, all I need is you. And he's looking upwards to God. The intimacy that he has with his wife uh, transforms him and changes him to look upwards towards God. All I need is you, God. And then the song changes into where the streets have no name, which is a song about heaven. And I love it. I love watching, I kind of worship while I'm, I'm watching uh, you two do this, this gig. I, I recommend going YouTube it, Slain Castle, all I need is you, and you'll see what I mean, and you'll think, how old is that dude? Um, you probably wouldn't say dude. Um, anyway, anyway, intimacy. The intimacy we have in marriage is nothing, nothing compared to intimacy that we have with God. Jen, my wife, and I had a good friend, and she longed for intimacy. And no matter what we did as friends, we could never fulfill the intimacy that she longed for. She longed for a husband, and as friends, we could never quite do enough. She always hungered for more intimacy. Then one day, out of the blue, we got the phone call that she'd been knocked off her bike as her vehicle was reversing, and it drove over and killed her instantly. It was tragic. But then this bizarre thing, literally about 30 seconds after hearing that news, both my wife and I just had this rush of peace. 
And we both knew that she now, in heaven, with God, she has that intimacy that she had been longing for. Still tragic, but we knew that she was now ultimately fulfilled in God. I've probably gone on way too long. And so I just want to draw us back. As we think about marriage as a sacrament, it's a signpost. It's, a, it's something that's given to us as a symbol of something greater that we have with God. If you're here tonight and you're married, then actually think about the marriage that we have to God. May that inspire you in your marriage. If you're here and you're not married and longing to be, then actually maybe also look upwards, do look upwards to God and find your, your longing and your intimacy, your, your completeness in God. If you're here this evening and you're not married and you're content with that, then great. Because hopefully you know that your fulfillment, your completeness, intimacy is not fulfilled in another human being, but ultimately in God. The destiny of all of us is marriage, but not between one another, but to Jesus, the bridegroom. We are his bride. He's down on one knee. The dowry has been paid, and he's saying to you tonight, will you marry me? What will be your response? Amen.